Hey folks, we all know that in our society, we're divided. And we're divided more and more every single day. However, something interesting is happening. We're finding our way back together, even those that have material differences in our lives. I'm going to share with you a story about Jamie Reed. Now, Jamie Reed is a healthcare worker. She's a counselor. But Jamie Reed came out with a story. She is, by the way, just so you know, a gay woman. And she recently did an interview titled, I Thought I Was Saving Trans Kids. Now I'm Blowing the Whistle. Why this is important is there's a very large community in the gay community that is against the trend of indoctrinating, sexualizing, and medicalizing children under the guise of LGBTQIA+. They stand up and say the overwhelming majority of gay people are against what the community has transformed into, and we do not accept the political movement pushing an agenda in our name. She talks about the butchering of our children. This is an important story. Share this program. I'm going to give you an inside look at a person who has worked in under over 100 pediatric gender clinics across this country. You may be appalled to find out what's happening behind closed doors as this very touchy subject has become a trendy subject has also now become a taboo subject to fight against. Be right back. He's here to help you learn to fight for America. Culture, race, and American politics, they all have one thing in common. They all need to cut the crap. Hey guys, it's Jovan. Just a couple things before we start. I want to thank you for being part of my Locals supporter group. And I am still on the mission to get about 3,500 new full supporters for our work here on Locals. I take very seriously my job to make you the smartest patriot in the room. And with that, we hope we provide incredible content to you that's meaningful to your life and helps you fight this war. I'm asking if you have the ability to spread the word about my Locals. Especially spread the word to people about becoming a full supporter of my Locals channel. To support all of the data evidence that we created forensically for Maricopa County, Arizona, costs us about $16,000 a month, month in and month out, just to house that data. If we can get about 3,500 new full supporters here on Locals, we will have covered that expense. So we would appreciate any help you can spreading the message to people to become a supporter of our work on Locals. Now, additionally, in this fight to save America, if you haven't already checked out makewokegobroke.click, it's not .com.click, I really encourage you to do it. The results are amazing. It is so refreshing to see America's fighting back, and even just our small fraction of this has been able to take away $50 million getting Americans just to switch their habits 
from these woke corporations to American-owned, family-owned, American-made. This is a blessing for America. This could be a blessing for you, too. It's a very simple program, but it is the way we fight with our dollars. It's not about buying new things or even more things. It's just about making the conscious choice to not have your money Go to the woke corporations. We'll walk you through it personally. If you've already filled out the form at makewokegobroke.click, well, we need to set the appointment with you so we can walk you through it, get you going, get that habit of supporting American-made American products that are supporting American families and American jobs, get you doing it so we can take our money away from the woke that are trying to to destroy America. Folks, we have a country to save. It's that simple. And we have to save our country from socialism. Please consider joining us at makewokegobroke.click. Now to the program. Cut Cut the the crap. crap. How many times a day do you want to say that to politicians, the elite, the loony liberals, the fake news media? In the gender-confused, emotional, socialist, snowflake crowd. Cut the crap is your secret weapon for fighting for our freedoms and our great republic. It all begins with a massive Massive mental mental enema, freeing you from the toxic news and politically correct views, which constipate your consciousness with stinking thinking. Your host, Joe Von Hutton Pulitzer, is known for calling out politicians and telling them to cut the crap. You've seen him on virtually every television network and listen to him on Coast to Coast Radio. And now he's here to help you learn to fight for America. Culture, race, and American politics, they all have one thing in common. They all need to cut the crap. Now, here's your host, Joe Von Hutton Pulitzer. This story was penned by Jamie Reed. I'm going to read her own words. It's under the headline, Thought I Was Saving Trans Kids, but now I'm blowing the whistle. It begins with, I am a 42-year-old St. Louis native, a queer woman, and I'm politically to the left of Bernie Sanders. My worldview has deeply shaped my career. I've spent my professional life providing counseling to vulnerable populations, children in foster care, sexual minorities, and the poor. For almost four years, I worked at the Washington University School of Medicine Division of Infectious Diseases with teens and young adults who were HIV positive. Many of them were trans or otherwise gender nonconforming, and I could relate. Through childhood and adolescence, I did a lot of gender questioning myself, Now, I'm married to a trans man, and together we are raising my two biological children from a previous marriage and three foster children we hope to adopt. All that led me to a job in 2018 as a case manager at the Washington University Transgender Center at St. Louis Children's Hospital, which had been established the year earlier. The center's working assumption was that The earlier you treat kids with gender dysphoria, the more anguish you can prevent later on. 
This premise is shared by the center's doctors and therapists. Given their expertise, I assumed that abundant evidence backed this consensus. During the four years I worked at the clinic as a case manager, I was responsible for patient intake and oversight, and around a 1,000 distressed young people came through our doors. The majority of them received hormone prescriptions that can have life-altering consequences, including sterility. I left the clinic in November of last year because I could no longer participate in what was happening there. By the time I departed, I was certain that the way the American medical system is treating these patients is the opposite of the promise we make to do no harm. Instead, we are permanently harming the vulnerable patients in our care. Today, I'm speaking out. I am doing so knowing how toxic the public conversation is around this highly contentious issue and the ways that my testimony might be misused. I am doing so knowing that I am putting myself at serious personal and professional risk. Almost everyone in my life advised me to keep my head down, but I cannot in good conscience do so because what is happening to scores of children is far more important than my comfort And what is happening to them is morally and medically appalling. It's broken up into several categories. This one's called the floodgates open. Soon after my arrival at the transgender center, I was struck by the lack of formal protocols for treatment. The center's physician co-directors were essentially the sole authority. At first, the patient population was tipped towards what used to be the traditional instance of a child with gender dysphoria, a boy, quite often young, who wanted to present as or who wanted to be a girl. Until 2015 or so, a very small number of these boys comprised the population of the pediatric gender dysphoria cases. Then, when across the Western world, there, became, uh, there began to be a dramatic increase in a new population, teenage girls with no previous history of gender distress suddenly declared they were transgender and demanded immediate treatment with testosterone. I certainly saw this at the center. One of my jobs was to do intake for new patients and their family. When I started there, there were probably 10 such calls a month. When I left, there were 50. And about 70% of the new patients were girls. Sometimes clusters of girls which arrived from the very same high school. This concerned me. I didn't feel I was in the position to sound some kind of alarm back then. There was a team of about eight of us. And only one person brought up the kinds of questions I had. Anyone who raised doubts ran the risk of being called a transphobe. The girls who came to us had many comorbidities, depression, anxiety, ADHD, eating disorders, and obesity. Many are diagnosed with autism or had autism-like symptoms. A report last year in a British pediatric transgender center found that about one-third of the patients referred were on the autism spectrum. Frequently, our patients declared they had disorders that no one believed they had. We had patients who said they had Tourette's syndrome, but they didn't. What they, uh, what they had, 
was tick disorders, but they didn't. That they had multiple personalities, but they didn't. The doctors privately recognized these false self-diagnoses as a manifestation of social contagion. They even acknowledged that suicide has an element of social contagion. But when I said these clusters of girls were streaming into our service looked as if their gender issues might be a manifestation of a social contagion, the doctor said gender identity reflected something innate. To begin transitioning, these girls needed a letter of support from a therapist, usually one that we recommended, one who they'd only seen once or twice for a green light. To make it more efficient for the therapist, we offered them a template of how to write a letter in support of transition. The next stop was a single visit to the endocrinologist for a testosterone prescription. That's all it took. When a female takes testosterone, the profound and permanent effects of the hormone can be seen in a matter of months. The voice drops. Beards sprout. Body fat is redistributed. Sexual interest explodes. Aggression increases and the moods become unpredictable. Now, our patients were told about some side effects, including sterility. But after working at the center, I came to believe that teenagers were simply not capable of fully grasping what it means to make the decision to become infertile while still a minor side effects. Many encounters with the patients emphasized to me how little these young people understood the profound impacts changing gender would have on their bodies and their minds. But the center downplayed the negative consequences and emphasized the need for transition. As the center's website said, left untreated, gender dysphoria has any number of consequences from self-harm to suicide. But when you take away the gender dysphoria by allowing the child to be who he or she is, we're noticing that goes away. These studies have shown these kids often wind up functionally, functioning psychologically as well or as better as their peers. She goes on to write, there are no reliable studies showing this. Indeed, the experiences of many of the center's patients prove how false these assertions were. Here's an example. On Friday, May 1st, 2020, a colleague emailed me about a 15-year-old male patient. Oh dear, I am concerned that the patient does not understand what bicalumatide is. And I'm probably butchering that, but bicalumatide does. I responded, I don't think we uh, should start anything, honestly, right now. See, bicalu, and I'm probably butchering it, bicalutamide is a medication used to treat metastatic prostate cancer. And one of its side effects is that it feminizes the bodies of men who take it, including the appearance of breast. The center prescribed this cancer drug as a puberty blocker and feminizing agent for boys. As with most cancer drugs, 
bicalutamide has a long list of side effects, and this patient experienced one of them, liver toxicity. He was sent to another unit of the hospital for evaluation and immediately taken off the drug. Afterwards, his mother sent an electronic message to the transgender center saying that we were lucky her family was not the type to sue. How little the patients understood what they were getting into was illustrated by a call we received at the center in 2020 from a 17-year-old biological female patient who was on testosterone. She said she was bleeding from the vagina. In less than an hour, she had soaked through an extra heavy pad, her jeans, and a towel she had wrapped around her waist. The nurse at the center told her to go to the emergency room right away. We found out later that this girl had had intercourse. And because testosterone thins the vaginal tissues, her vaginal canal had ripped open. She had to be sedated and given surgery to repair the damage. She wasn't the only vaginal laceration case that we heard about. Other girls were disturbed by the effects of testosterone on their clitoris, which enlarge and grows to look like what's a microphallus or tiny penis. I counseled one patient who enlarged clitoris now extended below her vulva, and it chaffed and it rubbed painfully in her jeans. I advised her to get the kind of compression undergarment worn by biological men who dress to pass as female. At the end of the call, I thought to myself, wow, we hurt this kid. There are rare conditions in which babies are born with atypical genitalia, cases that call for sophisticated care and compassion. But clinics like the one where I worked were creating a whole cohort of kids with atypical genitals. And most of these teens hadn't even had sex yet. They had no idea who they were going to be as adults. Yet all it took for them to permanently transform themselves was one or two short conversations with a therapist. Being put on powerful doses of testosterone or estrogen, enough to trick your body into mimicking the opposite sex, affects the rest of the body. I doubt that any parents who's ever consented to give their kids testosterone, it's a lifelong treatment, knows that they're also possibly signing up for blood pressure medication, cholesterol medication, perhaps sleep apnea and diabetes. But sometimes the parents' understanding of what they had agreed to do uh, to their children came forcefully. She cites an example here by giving an email. It's a parent that's, I guess, writing to the doctor says, please be advised that I'm revoking my consent for this course of medical treatment. Grades have dropped. There's been an inpatient behavioral health visit, and now he's on five different medications, Lexapro, Trazodone, Boost Bar, etc., He's a shell of his formal self, riddled, riddled with anxiety. Who knows if it's because the hormone blockers and other medications. But I revoke my consent. I want the hormone blocker removed. Thank you. It goes on under a category 
of neglected and mentally ill patients. Besides teenage girls, another new group was referred to us, young people from the inpatient psychiatric unit or the emergency department of the St. Louis Children's Hospital. The mental health of these kids was deeply concerning. They, there were diagnoses like schizophrenia, PTSD, bipolar disorder, and more. Often, they already were consuming a fistful of pharmaceuticals. This was tragic, but unsurprising given the profound trauma some had been through. Yet, no matter how much suffering or pain a child had endured, or how little treatment and love they had received, our doctors viewed gender transition, even with all the expenses and hardship it entailed, as the solution. Some weeks it felt as though almost our entire caseload was nothing but disturbed young people. For example, one teenager came to us in the summer of 22 when he was 17 years old and living in a lockdown facility because he had been sexually abusing dogs. He had an awful childhood. His mother was a drug addict. His father was in prison. He grew up in foster care. Whatever treatment he may have been getting, it wasn't working. During our intake, I learned from another caseworker that he had got out and he planned to reoffend because he believed that the dogs had willingly submitted. Somewhere along the way, he expressed the desire to become female, so he ended up being seen at our center. From there, he went to a psychologist at the hospital who was known to approve virtually everyone seeking transition. Then our doctor recommended feminizing hormones. At the time, I wondered if it was being done as a form of chemical castration. That same thought came up again with another case. This one was in the spring of 2022, a concerned young man who had intense obsessive compulsive disorder that manifested as a desire to cut off his penis after he masturbated. This patient expressed no gender dysphoria, but he got hormones too. I asked the doctor what protocol he was following, but I never got a straight answer. Another disturbing aspect of the center was its lack of regard for the rights of parents and the extent to which the doctors saw themselves as more informed decision makers over the fate of the children. In Missouri, only one parent's consent is required for treatment of their child. But when there is a dispute between the parents, it seems the center always took the side of the affirming parent. As you can see, folks, before I continue, this is pretty disturbing, and I'm not all the way through it all. Hang tight, there's more to come, but you have to be informed on what's going on if we're going to get them all to cut the crap. Hang tight. I'll be right back right after this. Are you following Jovan on all social media? You think this program is good at empowering you? You should get your PhD in cutting the crap by following Jovan Daly on all social media. Just find him by typing hashtag Jovan Hutton Pulitzer. Hang tight, Jovan will be right back. Hey guys, it's Jovan. Just a couple things before we start. I want to thank you for being part of my Locals supporter group. 
And I am still on the mission to get about 3,500 new full supporters for our work here on Locals. I take very seriously my job to make you the smartest patriot in the room. And with that, we hope we provide incredible content to you that's meaningful to your life and helps you fight this war. I'm asking if you have the ability to spread the word about my locals, especially spread the word to people about becoming a full supporter of my locals channel. To support all of the data evidence that we created forensically for Maricopa County, Arizona, costs us about $16,000 a month, month in and month out, just to house that data. If we can get about 3,500 new full supporters here on Locals, we will have covered that expense. So we would appreciate any help you can spreading the message to people to become a supporter of our work on Locals. Now, additionally, in this fight to save America, if you haven't already checked out makewokegobroke.click, it's not .com.click, I really encourage you to do it. The results are amazing. It is so refreshing to see America's fighting back. And even just our small fraction of this has been able to take away $50 million getting Americans just to switch their habits from these woke corporations to American-owned, family-owned, American-made. This is a blessing for America this could be a blessing for you, too. It's a very simple program, but it is the way we fight with our dollars. It's not about buying new things or even more things. It's just about making the conscious choice to not have your money go to the woke corporations. We'll walk you through it personally. If you've already filled out the form at makewokegobroke.click, well, we need to set the appointment with you so we can walk you through it. Get you going. Get that habit of supporting American-made American products that are supporting American families and American jobs. Get you doing it so we can take our money away from the woke that are trying to destroy America. Folks, we have a country to save. It's that simple. And we have to save our country from socialism. Please consider joining us at Make Woke. Go broke. Dot click. Can you feel it? You're getting more powerful by the minute. Just think of the impact your voice will have simply because you know how to tell the culture, race, and American political prostitutes. They all need to cut, cut the, the crap. crap. Let's get back to Jovan and his final words for this week's program. Welcome back. I'm reading you the first-hand account of a counselor that thought she was helping trans kids, but realized she was hurting and is now blowing the whistle. I continue. In Missouri, only one parent's consent is required for the treatment of their child. But when it is a dispute between the parents, it seems that the center always took the side of the affirming parent. My concerns about this approach to dissenting parents grew in 2019 when one of our doctors actually testified in a custody hearing against a father 
who opposed the mother's wish to start their 11-year-old daughter on puberty blockers. I had done the original intake call, and I found the mother quite disturbing. She and the father were getting divorced, and the mother described the daughter kind of as a tomboy. So now the mother was convinced her child was trans, but when I asked her if her daughter had adopted a boy's name, if she'd distressed about her body, if she was saying she felt like a boy, the mother said no. I explained the girl just didn't meet the criteria for an evaluation. Then a month later, the mother called back and said her daughter was now using a boy's name, was in distress over her body, and wanted to transition. This time, the mom and the daughter were given an appointment. Our providers decided the girl was trans and prescribed a puberty blocker to prevent her normal development. The father adamantly disagreed, said this was all coming from the mother, and a custody battle ensued. After the hearing, where our doctor testified in favor of transition, the judge sided with the mother. Next category, I want my breast back. Because I was the main intake person, I had the broadest perspective on our existing and prospective patients. In 2019, a new group of people appeared on my radar. Desisters and detransitioners. Desisters chose not to go through with the transition. Detransitioners are transgendered people who decide to return to their birth gender. The one colleague with whom I was able to share my concerns agreed with me that we should be tracking desistance and detransition. We thought the doctors would want to collect and understand this data in order to figure out what they had missed. We were wrong. One doctor wondered aloud why he would spend time on someone who was no longer his patient. But we created the document anyway and called it the red flag list. It was an Excel spreadsheet that tracked the kind of patients that kept my colleague and me up at night. One of the saddest cases of detransitioned eyewitness was a teenage girl who, like so many of our patients, came from an unstable family, was in an uncertain living situation, and had a history of drug abuse. The overwhelming majority of our patients are white, but this girl was black. She was put on hormones at the center when she was around 16. When she was 18, she went in for a double mastectomy, what's known as top surgery. Three months later, she called the surgeon's office to say she was going back to her birth name and that her pronouns were she and her. Heartbreakingly, she told the nurse, I want my breasts back. The surgeon's office contacted our office because they didn't know what to say to this girl. My colleague and I said that we would reach out. It took a while to track her down, but when we did, we made sure that she was in decent mental health and that she was not actively suicidal, that she was not using substances. The last I heard, she was pregnant. Of course, she will never be able to breastfeed her child. My concerns about what was going on at the center started to overtake my life. By spring 2020, I felt a medical and moral obligation to do something. So I spoke up in the office and sent plenty of emails. 
Here's just one example. On January 6, 2022, I received an email from a staff therapist asking me for help with a case of a 16-year-old transgender male living in another state. It goes like this. Parents are open to having patients see a therapist, but are not supportive of gender, and patient does not want parents to be aware of gender identity. I am having a challenging time finding a gender-affirming therapist. She says she replied, I do not ethically agree with linking a minor patient to a therapist who would be gender-affirming with gender as a focus of their work without that being discussed with the parents and the parents agreeing to that kind of care. In all my years at the Washington University School of Medicine, I had received solidly positive performance reviews, but in 2021 that changed. I got a below average mark for my judgment and working relationships cooperative spirit. Although I was described as responsible, conscientious, hardworking, and productive, the evaluation also noted, at times, Jamie responds poorly to the direction from management with defensiveness and hostility. Things came to a head at a half-day retreat in summer of 2022. In front of the team, the doctor said that my colleague and I had to stop questioning the medicine and the science as well as their authority. Then an administrator told us we had to get on board or get out. It became clear that the purpose of the retreat was actually just to deliver these messages to us. The Washington University system provides a generous college tuition payment program for long-standing employees. I live by my paycheck and have no money to put aside for five college tuitions for my kids. I had to keep my job. I also feel a lot of loyalty to Washington University. But I decided then and there I had to get out of Transgender Center, and to do so I had to keep my head down and improve my next performance review. I managed to get a decent evaluation, and I landed a job conducting research in another part of Washington University School of Medicine. I gave my notice and I left the Transgender Care Center in November of 2022. For a couple of weeks, I tried to put everything behind me and settled into my new job as a clinical research coordinator, managing studies regarding children undergoing bone marrow transplants. Then I came across comments from Dr. Rachel Levine, the transgender woman who is a high official at the Federal Department of Health and Human Services. The article read, Levine, the U.S. Assistant Secretary for Health, said that clinics are proceeding carefully and that no American children are receiving drugs or hormones for gender dysphoria who shouldn't. I felt stunned and sickened. It wasn't true. And I know from that deep firsthand experience. So I started writing everything down I could about my experience at the Transgender Center two weeks ago. I brought my concerns and documents to the attention of Missouri's Attorney General. He is a Republican. I am a progressive. But the safety of our children should not be a matter for our culture wars. 
Given the secretary and lack of rigorous standards that characterize youth gender transition across the country, I believe that to ensure the safety of American children, we need a moratorium on the hormonal and surgical treatment of the young with gender dysphoria. In the past 15 years, according to Reuters, the U.S. has gone from having no pediatric gender clinics to more than 100. A thorough analysis should have been undertaken to find out what has been done to their patients and why, and what the long-term consequences are. There is a clear path for us to follow. Just last year, England announced that it would close Tavistock's Youth Gender Clinic, then the only NHS in existence in their country, after an investigation revealed shoddy practices and poor patient treatment. Sweden and Finland, too, have investigated pediatric transition and greatly curbed the practice, finding there is insufficient evidence of help, but danger of great harm. Some critics describe the kind of treatment offered at places like the Transgender Center where it worked as kind of a national experiment, but that's wrong. Experiments are supposed to be carefully designed. Hypotheses are supposed to be tested ethically. The doctors I worked alongside at the Transgender Center said frequently about the treatment of our patients, we're building a plane while we are flying it. No one should be a passenger on that kind of aircraft. As you can imagine, this took immense guts and bravery to come out to have Miss Reed talk about this. In case you missed the beginning, Jamie Reed in Missouri worked at these centers. She's a St. Louis native, a queer woman, and she says she's left of Bernie Sanders. But she says this is wrong. This is being handled wrong. This is more about money and maybe social signaling than it is about getting young people the proper psychiatric and medical attention they need. In case you were wondering, not including, including the pharmaceuticals, but the cost of transitioning in the United States is in excess of a hundred thousand dollars. This is something that it is now looks like sadly it's becoming a trend. But at the same type time, this uh should we say wokeness and surgery and stuff is being pushed on to every one of us. Why? Because the government that is supporting this is forcing insurance companies to pay for it. When insurance companies pay for it, our costs on our side increase. And now with so many categories popping up and your average PPO insurance now covering these procedures, you can expect our health care continued 
to go through the roof. This was part of the Affordable Care Act. Remember, it was supposed to be your health care better and cheaper than ever, and you can go to the doctor you want. Well, we already know that that was a lie. But embedded in that Affordable Care Act was an act that prohibits the discrimination of any health program or activity on any grounds, including if the person felt they were transgendered or the doctors felt that's what the patient would need. It clarified that these discriminations uh, would extend to people that may identify as male, female, or neither, or a combination. It explicitly prohibited health plans and activities that would discriminate against any of these individuals based on gender identity or what they call sex stereotypes. This is how government, when they get involved, they end up pushing woke agendas on us that, uh, uh, should we say, drive all of our cost up and make all of us pay for the burden of this. Now, you might ask yourself, how do you fight against this? Well, first, let's look at who is the government protecting? If you look at organizations out there like Gays Against Groomers, which is a activist organization that is said it does not support this transgendering of kids and these treating of children for this, nor does it even support the MAPR movement, which is basically relabeling pedophiles to minor attracted people. You would think protecting our children would be something all of our government and society would revere, right? You would think naturally anyone would want to protect children, but that's, that's just not the case. And I'll give you an example. And this is why I want to point this out, because this is not about a child's sexual identity. This is solely about destroying our great nation. Here's why. When gays against groomers spoke out against butchering our children and giving them these chemicals, the backlash came from PayPal and Venmo payment platforms saying that it was not consistent with their exceptional or acceptable use policy. Why would saying that this shouldn't happen to kids be against acceptable use? Wouldn't that be, um, should we say, trying to protect children? Well, this is why I want to point out it is not about protecting children. In the guise, the left always uses this, but this is a woke war, folks. This is a battle. First, let me read for you from the website called Gays Against Groomers, who got banned on Twitter, got banned everywhere else, and have to fight to stay open. Let me read this, and you might see why. They 
as gay people are bugging the system, but this is not really about people's sexual identity. You'll become apparent in a moment. Their site says, Gays Against Groomers is a coalition of gay people who oppose the recent trend of indoctrinating, sexualizing, and medicalizing children that are under, under the guise of LGBTQIA+. Our, our community that once preached love and acceptance of others has been hijacked by radical activists who are now pushing extreme concepts onto society, specifically targeting children in recent years. The overwhelming majority of gay people are against what the community has transformed into, and we do not accept the political movement pushing their agenda in our name. Gays Against Groomers directly opposes the sexualization and indoctrination of children. This includes drag queen story hours, drag shows involving children, the transitioning and medicalization of minders, and gender theory being taught in the classroom. The activists, backed by school boards, government, woke media, and corporations, have been speaking on our behalf for too long. When fighting for equality, our goal was successfully to integrate ourselves in society, but now these radicals aim to restructure it entirely in order to accommodate a fringe minority as well as seek to indoctrinate children into their ideology. We're saying no. There are millions of gays within the community that want nothing to do with this alphabet religion, and join the fight with parents and concerned people everywhere to protect our children. We also aim to return sanity and reclaim the community we once called our own. The gay community is not a monolith. Those pushing this agenda do not represent or speak for us all, nor do we want to be associated with them in any way. What we are witnessing is mass-scale child abuse becoming perpetrated on an entire generation, and we will no longer sit by and watch it happen. It is going to take those of us within the community to finally put an end to this insanity, and that's exactly what's going on. Now, the reason I share this with you is... We can have different sides of philosophy or even politics, but wrong is, in fact, wrong. What we need to understand here is we're not witnessing a sexuality struggle. We are witnessing an intentional attack on society. We are witnessing this happen intentionally. This is not about letting people live their lives. This is about enforcing a split within all communities in the United States of America. This is about cleaving our children from us. This is about breaking down the structure of parents. This is about giving the government more authority and power than they should ever have. This is why people that are directly affected by feeling their sexuality may be different or even lean another way say 
that this is wrong. In fact, some of the people, when I look at the board of directors and I look at what's going on in their movement, they all even have transgendered people in their movement that say this is wrong to do to children. That's what's at stake here, folks, our beautiful children. This is a war. This is a woke war. And in this woke war, they are working very, very, very hard and dividing us into so many little fractured groups and sell the ideology that we can't get along because they need to sell fear. They need to sow dissension. They need everybody to think that the government is the only thing that can help them. That is not true. That is not how this works. This is how our nation falls. And so our nation falling is not just a conservative issue. Our nation falling is an American issue. The system really doesn't care whether you're transgendered or not. The system doesn't even care whether you're a Republican or not. The system merely wants to enforce its views onto everyone. It wants everybody to feel divided. It needs everybody to not get along. Remember, if we're all fractionalized, if we're all squabbling amongst ourselves, we are all looking at distractions and decoys and diversions from what really is happening. And what's happening, folks, is we are in the midst of World War Three. It is that simple. If we don't find a way to unite, to fight back, to save ourselves, we are going to end up being destroyed. Many people don't even know how to take that first step. And the first step is just realizing this is happening, that this is going on, that you have to open your eyes to how deeply embedded this is. But think of it as if you were taking over a country and you did not want to expend your army. How would you do it? You would control the media. You would control the schools. You would control upper academia. You would control the healthcare system. See what's going on, folks? They have embedded themselves. It is not too late for our country. I know this hurts like hell. 
I know it's very scary. It's certainly very trying. But this system has happened because so few Americans will ever put up a resistance. A good example would be when Americans are shown how their money supports this system, so few people will really do what is right. One, because they can't be bothered. Two, it's because, oh, I can't make a difference, so no, I'm not going to do that. Folks, that's stinking thinking. Every time our country has come under attack, whether when we first liberated ourselves in 1776 or when everybody rallied for the war effort and pitched in, it has taken Americans standing up, standing together, standing strong, and calling it out. I still believe that is the American soul. I still believe we have what it takes to win this. I ask every one of you to do very strong personal inventories. What is keeping you from taking the next step? Yeah, maybe you listen to me. And for that, I thank you. But what's preventing you from taking the next step? What's preventing you from understanding how the system's hurting us and for you to deploy some of your own justice, like just controlling your dollars and how they go into the system? Mostly it's comfort zone, folks. We've been trained to dull down, to check out, to put our fingers in our ears and to close our eyes. Yes, we can hear great things that motivate us, for minutes, maybe like this broadcast, but I want to motivate you further. I want to keep you motivated past these few minutes we spend together. I want you to get motivated to act. Because folks, if we don't act, and we don't act in unison, we are going to lose our nation. And I pray that every one of you understand this is a war We all need to engage in this war, but we need to engage in it different ways because nobody is coming to save us, and the one person that can save you is sitting with you right now, listening to this program through your very own ears, because it is only you, folks, you. It is only you that can push back and save you, because you are the cure you have been praying for. Stand up, stand out, speak out. Let's take our country back. Most people are afraid to stand up and speak out, but not you. You've been learning how to tell the system to cut Cut the the crap. crap. What can I do to help save the America I love? And the answer is learn how to fight back and tell the system to cut Cut the the crap. crap. Cut the Crap's not just a radio program, it's a movement. The right kind of movement, which breaks free the conservative constipation and reminds you that you are the majority. 
And we're just not going to take it anymore. Make sure you're following Jovan Hutt and Pulitzer on all social media. See you next week. And between now and then, take a stand and tell them all to cut, cut the, the crap. crap. I know, folks, you're stressing over our mail order maladministration government. We have selected, not elected. I'm encouraging you just try out two things that I'm doing to stay ahead of the, the stress, which feels like it's killing us besides killing our nation. Do yourself a favor. Go to MyPillow.com forward slash Jovan. You're going to change your pillow and sheets anyway and get new ones. Why don't you support an American company, an American cause? If they'll use your promo code Jovan, you're going to get extra special savings because you use the promo code Jovan. I'm telling you. I used to take two hours or more to get to sleep and only sleep for a few hours. Now I'm asleep. I'm telling you, 15 minutes or less, I'm out like a baby. And that's because of mypillow.com forward slash Jovan. Use your promo code Jovan. I guarantee you'll be happy you did. The other part of it is part of having good sleep and keeping up with the stress is to have good nutrition. Do yourself a favor. Go to filledupgreens.com. Use your promo code Jovan there. Think about this. All your vitamins and stuff you need. Full spectrum essential vegetables and fruits. It's vegetables and fruits. That's it. It's powdered. Very finely powdered. One scoop. I mean, you can even eat the stuff. You can sprinkle it on cereal. You can use it in baking. It's your vitamin in powder form. Instead of pooping out the pill form, which does no good for your body, take it in the powder form. One scoop, put it in water, shake it up, boom, boom, 10 minutes, you're done. But I'm telling you, I can feel it immediately when I do it. I can feel my body going, thank you, thank you, thank you. Imagine how well I'm doing with great sleep and great vitamins. It's about the only way I'm keeping up with this horrible stress in my life with the audits and election integrity. Do me a favor, go to fillthegreens.com. Your first order, use your promo code Jovan. You're going to get 15% off. And if you do a regular shipment, you'll get another 10% off. Do it now, folks. Take care of yourself.